Hello and welcome to Screen of Consciousness. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan. And I'm your other host, Dimitri. And Jonathan has mentioned to me that he has rewatched the film recently, which he likes, uh, which is another non-English language film, but which also has a very particular concept which we would like to discuss on our podcast today. Yes, yes. So I, I rewatched a film called Run, Lola, Run. It's from 1998. It's a German film. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's actually called Lola, Run It, I think, in German, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Lola, Run sure It, yeah. Yeah, it's actually a really good film. Um, and the whole point of the film is there's a ticking clock. There's a massive countdown. She only has uh, an hour to sort of save the day. And the whole film kind of intentionally is breaking down the fourth wall and it's not really meant to be a realistic type of film. It's just meant to be a really good thriller. And I think it's interesting to watch this film now because, you know, I watched it, you know, years ago and I really like watching it. I rewatched it now. It's really interesting because that film, I think, was very inspirational to a lot of other films that came after it, like the soundtrack, the way it's shot, the kind of pacing, the editing. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if it didn't influence loads of other filmmakers afterwards, because it is, it's, it's a very late 90s style, but it is very, uh, you know, it's very iconic in some ways, I think. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's a great film, but I think ultimately, I think we always love a thriller in which there's something that they have to lead towards that they have to save the day. And I think obviously Alfred Hitchcock was a genius at this. He always had a kind of a ticking clock or a countdown, or you have to do something by a certain point or everything's going to fall apart. Um, and obviously I think one of his films that I really love the most, um, which is probably not one of his most famous is called Rope. And I know you love Rope too, Dimitri. Indeed, I do. It's uh, one of Hitchcock's uh, many black and white films. Uh, it's interesting you say it may be not one of the most uh, well-known now, and also not, I think, one of the most uh, critically acclaimed, and I think that's uh, that's a shame. It's a 1948 film, and it is, it is famous, and it is acclaimed for one thing, one technical achievement, and I think that achievement is fascinating, uh, but it also overshadows uh, the other quality of the film. But basically, Rope is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, but I feel like it's probably the first film that's essentially a one-shot film, uh, which back then was physically impossible because you had to change the film roles. So there are, in fact, cuts, but otherwise it is shot. The, the, the cuts are hidden, such as when a camera goes behind some furniture, for example. Yes, uh, Because yeah. the film is shot, it's uh, about 100 minutes long, and it's shot... Sorry, 80, it's only 80 minutes long. But but nevertheless, it's shot in one... It's a con one continuous shot, which you've seen, I'm sure, uh, several times recently, because it's now it has become a gimmick which is being practiced fairly often. And of course, it's much yeah. simpler when you don't have to actually have real film roles and change them and have lighting and everything uh, when you just do, you know, like a film on your mobile phone or whatever. Uh, but back then, I mean, 1948 is 72 years ago. It's an unbelievable technical achievement. Uh, and it really works. And I think this is the genius of Hitchcock. He didn't do things just for shits and giggles, as, as is too often the case now. I mean, it works to create this tension because you have a room full of guests and we know there is a body in that room, hidden somewhere. We know where, the guests don't. Yeah, yeah. And I think, as well, yeah, you're right to say um, it was a technical achievement. It was. I think there's three uh, cuts in it. I think they did it in three cuts, but obviously, as you said, they do it like, so it looks meant to look like it's one seamless uh, film. And it's meant to be shot in real time. And it is, the whole film is, I guess, in real time. The, all the events 
unfolds. So it's a bit like a stage play, isn't it, really? And I think this is where some people criticise it because they say, I think people at the time said, it's just a stage play. And so what's the point of making it a film? Because you're not doing all the dynamic stuff. But I think that's kind of quite reductionist because as you said mm. before, um, yes, that is a criticism of it. But then that takes away from the way he's actually filmed it to make that tension really big. You know, and all those big moments happen because it's in one shot. And, and it's very, I think it's just a very clever film. And, and also let's not overlook the, the actual plot itself, which I think is the more important thing of the film. And I think why the film is so good, because as you said, they know that there's a body in the room. We know there's a body, but no one else does. And it's all about these two characters trying to hide it. And that's where all the tension really comes from. And I think it's just, it's just such a, such a great film. Um, and it's just really good. And if you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend you know, going and watching it now and just seeing what you think. I mean, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of Phone Booth, actually, when you talked about modern films um, that are all done in one take or meant to be in one take. Phone Booth is also kind of a, a more modern version of that. I think that film came out in, what, 2001, 2002? 2002, I think, yeah. Yes. So that's um, kind of Colin Farrell uh, trapped in a phone booth, essentially, uh, by Keith Sutherland, who is a sniper. Um, and the whole film is Colin Farrell, essentially, on a phone, trying not to get killed. Um, and I, I think that film works really well. I think the tension is, is good and it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's not done in one shot because it does cut between things, but it is meant to be done in real time, a bit like 24, which also obviously came out at a similar time and also starred Kiefer Sutherland. How weird is that? <laughs> Maybe that was no accident. <laughs> and Phone Booth is directed by uh, Joel Schumacher, recently passed away. Uh, rest in peace, Joel. He was reviled for uh, his uh, flamboyant Batman films, the uh, late 90s offering, or mid-late mid, mid -late 90s offerings, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But I do think he's an interesting director. And um, Well, he did um, The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys is a great film. Also very camp. And I, I must confess to a controversial liking for the number 23. Um, oh, I didn't know he did that. That's interesting. He, he did. Um, and I think, I mean, he has a style. Uh, this is where we, we may criticize directors who uh, can uh, err on the side of st uh, style over substance. But I also think, let's be honest, most directors today don't even have style. Neither do they have substance. Or substance, yeah, exactly. exactly. Joel Schumacher definitely had style to his films and um, uh, oh and uh, I, I have to mention this film because I actually think it's one of the great 90s films I hope we get back to it at some point he directed yeah. Falling Down oh actually that is kind of that is on a that is meant to be in real time as well yes yes you're right so that's you're, yeah that's a that, kind of a ticking clock film isn't it because it's him all kind of having a complete breakdown and then going on a rampage i didn't know he directed that now that you can't say that film is camp i wouldn't say that film is camp at all no not not at all and i, I think it's it's a 1993 uh, thriller starring michael douglas and i think his best role uh co-starring robert duvall in a fantastic performance and it's just it's it's a really really i think powerful uh drama and it's, it's a drama thriller, uh, mm. but it's essentially about a regular man just completely losing it. And it's really, it's, it's, it's a hard watch. And I think it says a lot about society. There, is, there are some explicit comments on, uh, you know, how our society is stressful. And this is 30 years ago. And I think that's another film that's been so prescient because, well, we see that. And including the fact that this man actually does uh, commit uh, serious violence. We know this happens quite mm. often indeed. Someone who's... the People snapping and mm. especially in countries where you may have access to to weapons uh, more mm. easily, uh, that can lead to serious deaths. Mm. Um, and I think we've seen that recently. And I'll, I'll stop here, but I just think uh, the effects of the... Um, 
lockdowns and quarantines, which of course have been challenging for a lot of people mentally. Uh, I think we are seeing that in different countries, uh, in in these st- stories trickling through of uh, of shootings. Uh, there's been a lot of that in Russia, just small sh- shootouts, but uh, it's not something that usually happens that often. And I- I've I've noted it, and I'm sure that's that's a psychological uh, side effect. And Falling Down, I think, is an incredible film at. Uh, mining that and as you say yes essentially it has a ticking clock because i would say that from the ticking clock is that this man knows i mean he's going to be they're going to get him of course yeah, he's going yeah. on a rampage in the in the middle of los angeles i mean you can't you know you can't escape the the law forever yeah, um it's not it's not going to be a happy ending he knows that yeah i guess no so. and that's kind of um, part of the tension as well isn't it because you, you want to know what he's going to do next and how he's going to well, try and get out of it which is interesting i mean um another to, to get off the serious subject and go on to an even um, a very less serious 90s film, I mean, which has a ticking clock, is, of course, everyone's favorite film, Speed. I mean, that... <laughs> or, as Homer Simpson called it, the bus that couldn't slow down. Exactly. I mean, that film, so iconic, so massive, such a big hit, made Keanu Reeves a star, made Sandra Bullock a star. Um, it's, I personally, I, I've, se- I've seen it so many times. My mum loves this film, so she watches it on repeat. Um, when I used to live with her and it was just like I, I I have no objectivity about this film anymore I don't think I could ever watch it again because it's just been rinsed out to me I think instead I'd have to watch Speed 2 Cruise Control the sequel <laughs> which of course everyone loves uh, I say that ironically but no I mean Speed I think funnily enough I always thought the best bit of Speed was probably the opening when they're actually not on the bus and they're doing the lift um, I actually always thought that opening was really strong and then the bus bit I thought it was always a bit silly really i mean there's there's moments in speed that i really like but and the ending's funny i think as a kid when when well hashtag spoilers when the villain gets decapitated on the train i think that's always quite a funny moment it's so silly it's kind of bizarrely like gory um but you know it's always a fun watch right (laughs) and i think it does i mean it really does what it intends to do i think uh uh and Perhaps we should have started with this, Jonathan, but uh, let's really define the concept of the ticking clock in films. Um, this is something, you know, we know as screenwriters, it's, it's one of the sort of simplest and I would say, you know, somewhat tired now uh, tropes of screenwriting. You know, it's in every screenwriting book. Um, the idea is uh, because, of course, you want to keep the audience watching just as we hope uh, we can keep you listening for another 20 minutes. And uh, <laughs> usually there should be some... Uh, uh, tension. Uh, films need some kind of tension. A ticking clock is a classical tension device. Uh, the idea is that uh, our hero, our protagonist, has a limited amount of time to achieve some kind of goal. Uh, very classically, and it goes back to some Hitchcock films, to old James Bond, you know, there is a bomb with a, with a literal ticking clock attached, if we're talking mm. about action films, thriller films, and, you know, the hero needs to fight the bad guys and defuse the bomb, and there should be preferably precisely one second left. In some <laughs> uh, American films now, they have two seconds left. That's the twist. Um <laughs> But I think, as with everything about cinema, I mean, cinema is so fascinating because really at heart, it's very simple, but it can also be very complex. And the ticking clock does not have uh, to be this literal, and it also doesn't necessarily at all uh, have to feature only in action films, thriller films. You can have that in dramas, you can have that in comedies. Uh, Think about films where there's a wedding that must be called off because... 
our protagonist is a man or a woman and she or he is the person really in love with whoever is about to be married and yeah. they need to call off you know and usually the wedding is stopped when at church when someone says I do have an objection, Your Honor. Yeah. Well, they won't say Your Honor, Church, unless yeah. they're very confused. Your uh, Honor, yeah, we're mixing genres here. Basically, <laughs> that's literally the equivalent of one second left on the clock. It's when yeah, they're about true. to freaking put the rings on each other, and you burst in and said, they're married already. Actually, you or, just reminded me of an, another 90s film. I feel like we just always talk about 90s films, but um, a film called Serendipity. Starring Kate Beckinsale. Oh and my gosh! Cusack. Oh, we love Kate Beckinsale. We love podcast. Kate Beckinsale on this podcast. But um, Kate, I mean, that also, I, the whole film is not filmed in one day, but most of it is kind of taking place in one day, I would say. And it does have that ticking clock element. Actually, I just thought about when you said that because the whole point is that John Cusack's character is going to get married, um, and the whole point is he he himself is trying to decide should I get married or not? Because actually he loves Kate Beckinsale and he wants Kate Beckinsale to kind of turn off and tell him not to marry his potential wife. I mean, it's a bit harsh on this poor woman who he's meant to marry. I mean, seriously, maybe he shouldn't be marrying her if he's so obsessed with a different woman. Uh, but anyway, that's not, that's not the point of that, that film. That's the old pre-Me Too 90s cinema where, yes, everything, all women's lives revolve around a man and exactly. making him happy. Exactly. Which actually, ironically, Kate Beckinsale's character has two men that she revolves, her life revolves around making happy. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. but you're right. That is another genre. And also, I have to say, we did uh, discuss this you know, already we've discussed this film and we will discuss this film more times, but Aeroplane, obviously, classic, classic film, which, as you said, is spoofing. It's actually spoofing the ticking clock, isn't it? On so many levels, because it's like the Aeroplane is around. Aeroplane, yes. One, you know, one of the original and still the best satires of everything, among others. Of course, it's a satire. Well, maybe primarily it's a satire of film cliches. So, yes, uh, Aeroplane, of course, had to have a ticking clock. And the thing is... Um, and there are a million jokes in airplane. It's impossible to spoil them all, but we'll spoil one here. Uh, it's it's an airplane. The, the the film is about a flight on an airplane, and uh, the the. Um uh, everyone has a choice of a meat or fish. It was before coronavirus restrictions, obviously, 40 years before we could still get food on planes. And uh, uh, then it turns out that the fish was poisonous, so everyone who had fish is going to get violently sick, and you better believe it's violently sick. Uh, and, of course, all the pilots and most of the crew chose fish as well. So now you have to have... You have to get the plane to land early at another... It has to be rerouted to another airport because otherwise all of these people will die from food poisoning. And you, then you have the extra issue that you have no pilots left because they're they're dying from the same food poisoning. So yes, Airplane makes that a very explicit joke. And of course, that's kind of the crux of the action in the second half of the film because usually the ticking clock is very important. It's mm. something that takes up a lot of time in films. Yeah, um, yeah. and the character who's in the airport tower also he's kind of the he's the character that would normally be the one being like oh we have to do this we've got this time you know he's the one counting it down all the time and he keeps making those jokes when he's saying things like i picked the wrong day to quit smoking and all that kind of stuff because obviously he continues to chain smoke and he's drinking and he's like 
constantly yes. stressed out the whole time, isn't he? And then isn't there some drama with his wife or something, or someone else in the airport in the in the tower has some kind of uh, random th- there's side? There's two people. That's that's the, the brilliance of airplane is yes, because you have like a Colonel McTuff guy uh, yeah. character in m- most American films who keeps reminding the audience how much tension there is. But you have two Colonel McTuff guy uh, 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 characters in uh, in the airport. So I think one of them has a wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the other, and, a... but there's also the wife of the pilot, and she's uh, uh, sadly for the pilot, she's engaged in an ex- extramarital affair with a horse, apparently. Oh yes, that's it. So I, just, I love the fact I remembered that bit, but I couldn't quite remember that bit. It's it's weird when you watch these films as children. Obviously, I did, and I used to always think that bit with the um, inflatable captain was hilarious, but I didn't understand it at all. Like obviously as a child, I totally didn't get it, but I just thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, it's, it's in order crazy. to understand you, you, dear listeners, you have to watch Airplane. We will talk about it more because I think this film is now the number one candidate for uh, one of our forthcoming subjects, which is films we saw as children and we shouldn't have. That's I true. I only that saw Airplane true. as an adult, really? and I really think it's not a film for children. So I'll be excited to hear Jonathan to hear how it traumatized you. <laughs> yeah, moving on from Airplane, I'd actually like to mention a film completely, completely different um which is actually called time code now there's not so much of a ticking clock in this film as you know the audience is not told that something is, is explicitly going to happen by the end of the film but you know that something will happen by the end of the film because the whole premise of the film is it's filmed in real time they actually shot it in real time in la they had four different camera crews filming four different actually more than four different plots, but there's four screens. So it's, it's the, the screen is actually a split screen. You see all four screens at the same time. And obviously what happens is, you know, when one character is doing something on one screen, all the other characters are kind of not doing anything so that you can actually focus on the drama in one screen. So you have, this is before 24, the TV show. Um, so you have like three screens of someone like checking their watch or something, or like filing their nails where the other person's actually talking. Um, it's it once again like rope it's a film that has you know this this big idea and people criticized it for that but i actually have to say i think personally the film is very well done technically and as a story i don't want to give any spoilers of what happens because the whole point of the film is you don't really know what's going to happen you think it's a bit at the beginning it's a bit kind of dry it's a bit boring um but then it all leads up to this big climax no spoiler um and and there's loads of famous actors in it as well actually that i think you know so i just think it's a film that people probably never heard of it's it's a it's another late 90s film um 2000 actually oh is it 2000 okay so it's just on that border and i think yeah it's, it's just it's just a really interesting film and i think if, if you've never seen it you definitely should give it a watch um it stars but- selma hayek and stellan skarsgård and uh, holly hunter and danny houston so you you won't go, go yeah go, and they they get and Jeanette, Jeanette triple horns in it as well um, who she was? Oh, yeah. she, she appeared in a lot of films in the nineties. What happened to her? I don't know what happened to her, but um, she's actually really good in it. I think she's kind of the main one of the main characters in it. Um, but but yeah, I think definitely you should give it a watch if you can. I don't know where you could find it because uh, it's probably a film that's been kind of forgotten by time, ironically. Um, but I'd like to move on to another film now, which I know that Dimitri has very strong opinions of, and I also have very strong opinions of. Another classic ticking clock thriller by our favourite or not favourite director, Christopher Nolan, is of course Inception, with a big bombastic score by Hans Zimmer. Hans. Vroom. Yeah. Vroom. <laughs> and I think this film, the score works. Interstellar 
100% does not work. But we're not going to talk about Interstellar because we could talk about that for a long time and all of the problems with it. But Inception, obviously the idea is, and it's not all set in one time either, but most of it is, the idea is that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and his team of lovable rogues um, have to break into someone's mind and uh, I love trying to explain this plot. If someone has never understood, never seen this film, they'd just be like, what are you talking about? So they have to break into someone's mind and plant an idea that will then change that person's thoughts. That's essentially the plot. So it's, it's and there's, for a film, there's like five layers of time happening at the same time. So I think a lot of people found it very confusing. Um, they try to do the color changing thing, but I don't think they quite do it enough. As in like, at one point they're in snow in time four they're in snow and in time three they're in rain so it's like oh it slightly looks slightly different but it's not quite different enough i think for most people um i personally really like inception i think it's really clever i think it's well made um i know a lot of people don't like it dimitri is one of those people (laughs) (laughs) um well you know i guess i enjoyed you explaining (laughs) the idea to me because having seen the film several times i'm still not quite sure what the hell is going on but i i i yes um there is a ticking clock because they only have uh, a particular amount of time to be in someone's mind Mind. and then they extend i guess that's that's the interesting conceit of the film right that the ticking clock is kind of extended number of times several times because the deeper they go into the subconscious of this person uh the kind of the the more time slows right so there's like yes they have five seconds on this layer but that means five minutes on this layer and like 20 minutes on yeah. this layer. Five and, days and so on forth. one layer and then five years on another layer. Yes. Yeah, so, so the film felt like five years to me. Well, it's a long film. It's, an almost, <laughs> it's almost three hours. Um, I think well, we talked about this in our male gaze episode. I mean, uh, you know, the feminist or not feminist uh, points in this film are that, you know, Mar- once again, Marion Cootyard's character is a psycho woman who technically I would say is the victim of the film. Um, but in classic Christopher Nolan style uh, and classic Hollywood style, we are made to, we're meant to hate her because she's basically a psycho woman who has very little character development and just runs around stabbing people. Um, and we're meant to be on Leonardo DiCaprio's side, even though he has essentially destroyed her physically and mentally. Um, and he's the hero. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about feminism. We're just trying, trying to talk about... Um, the fact that whether or not that layer thing works is is a question because I've read quite a few film theories on you know film theorists on this. I personally think it works, but as I said, you don't. I think a lot of people it would go over their heads because they've made up rules which obviously aren't real in the real world because no one can actually go into your mind and simulate dreams anyway. So you know this whole idea that if you go from another layer to another layer to another layer is just completely fictionalized. And obviously, once again, the, the conceit was just created to create tension. But I would argue, you would probably argue, that if you can't understand why that tension is there in the first place because you're not getting what the ticking clock is, then there is no tension. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think there's I think there's tension. But r- I, I, actually th- I actually think that the ticking clock uh, element works. I think for me, th- this for me really is a film that's style over substance because I guess to me, and especially I liked it more watching it the first time. I think for each time, I watch it, I like it less, so I've stopped watching it. Um, because I just think, <laughs> when you think about it, it, it has got to be like one of the most unbelievably neoliberal films of all time, because isn't the whole thing, why they're doing it, the reason is just 
that they need to create some more wealth for already wealthy people, right? Because yes. this person into like they want him to sign off on a business deal or something. Yes, they want him to sell his father's company. Uh, so yes, he can make more money. The mate, the I can't remember. So his name, that's what is. we're supposed to care about for the very long duration of this film. It's like I don't care well, who, well, what the business deal goes through. Technically, we're we're not meant to care about that bit. We're meant to care about Leonardo DiCaprio being allowed to come back into the United States so he can see his children. But I also we, don't care about that. <laughs> Why can't they meet in Canada? Well, <laughs> or anywhere else, because he goes to visit Michael Caine's character, who is his father, in London. Why couldn't Michael Caine just bring the kids over to London? I actually thought Michael Caine was the wife's father. No, I, I don't. To be honest with you, I actually rewatched this like a few months ago, and I couldn't. I still didn't know if he was meant to be Leonardo DiCaprio's dad or Marion Cotillard's dad. And I that's not know. a good, a good that, sign. I think, that's never that. explained properly, I don't think. And if it was, I, it's gone over my head because I've seen that film multiple times and I still don't know what the answer to that question is. Um, but regardless, yes, the kids could come and live in any other country. Why does it have to be America? But anyway, that seems simpler to do that than to go into someone's mind and start changing their memory. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's true. Anyway, to get off Inception, which I would recommend everyone watch whether or not they like it. I'd like to talk about uh, probably our final film, which is... Um, obviously one of the most famous and beloved films and film series of all time which is of course back to the future another robert zemeckis film we talked about robert zemeckis in a, in a previous podcast um and you know back to the future of course not only does it have a ticking clock it has a ticking calendar i guess because the whole point <laughs> of the film is that what happens in the past has affected the future and if he doesn't make things right he he him and his entire family and life will disappear forever um, and I think Back to the Future uses it very well. And I always thought Back to the Future 2 was, was better. I prefer Back to the Future 2. And I think Back to the Future 2 is even more clever because they have a double ticking clock, which, unlike Inception, is not five-layered. It's only two-layered. But the whole point is he's trying to stop himself from doing what he did in the first film, which I think works really well and is actually really intelligent. Um, but weirdly enough, some people uh, think that the third Back to the Future film is actually the best one, which doesn't really it kind it does have a ticking clock but i would say that the ticking clock element isn't really as important and that's probably because it revolves around doc and a character who is introduced in the third film which is clara clayton and i guess at that point i'm not sure we really care about them as much as marty mcfly so for me the shift away from marty mcfly i don't think is is as interesting but i don't know if you agree with that or not i honestly am not sure i've seen two and three <gasps> Is what? I, oh, oh, I just, I guess it's just like the franchise never grabbed me. I was like, okay. well, I know I you don't like time I, th I think it's so dated. It's so eighties. <gasps> and uh, get out. Okay, here. I'll stop talking. Get now. out of here now. How dare you? Can't even. I can't believe you're doing a film podcast and you don't like Back to the Future. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, like, if you don't like the time traveling concept, then I can understand. But. Uh, I still I, and you're right. It is very eighties. I think one. This is one time though where making something so eighties actually works because it's set in the eighties and it's meant to be set in the eighties. It's not like a future vision of the world which is eighties, which does happen in the second one. But we can kind of ignore that whole thing because we can go, oh, that future was an alternative future, so it's fine. Because I remember mm. actually a few years ago when it was the date that he travelled into. And everyone was like, where are the flying cars? There's no flying cars now. You <laughs> yeah, know. everyone wants flying cars. Uh, and flying I... and flying skateboards. <laughs> Indeed. And it's it's a pervasive idea, the flying cars. Uh, I just, uh, I had a 
great conversation about it with a friend recently uh, about how stupid it is that everyone accepts fly, uh, expects flying cars and then I realized that in the science fiction screenplay I'm working on right now I had written in flying cars that's because they look cool <laughs> it's just such an expectation it was completely subconscious it was some sort of, sort of moon writing I couldn't believe I'd written that well, <laughs> interesting interesting enough I have to say Minority Report which also I would say has a ticking clock and is one of my favourite films of all time I would say and also a Senor Spielbergo film um, also has flying cars although they're not flying they're hover cars which actually is more realistic because they are making those cars at the moment um, in that some is closer to something that could actually happen yeah I think yeah. Uh... Mag- they're called maglevs Magne- magnetic levitations they're actually doing it in Israel at the moment so they're testing it out there um, so it's quite an interesting idea so it's not completely silly um, but so you're with, saying I should write the uh, flying cars back into my screenplay? <laughs> I think you should put in maglev cars. <laughs> um, but anyway, I guess now we're actually uh, coming to the end. I think we we talked quite a, about quite a lot of films, which is quite interesting. I think so. I hope our uh, uh, well, we, we've we've kept good pace thanks to our own ticking clock because we really wanted to make this episode no longer than half an hour. We'll probably yeah. just go just above, but uh, uh, we've yeah. tried our best, uh, listeners, and um, uh, we'd really like to hear from you uh, whether there's some films with ticking clocks that you like. Think about your favorite films and check check for ticking clocks because really surprisingly many films use this uh, concept more or less directly, but it's almost certain that one of your favorite film has this uh, th- uh, this idea uh, prominently featured. Yeah. Well, what what films would you, out of all the ones we talked about, would you recommend the most for people to watch? Um, I mean, completely not. Well, not having to do that much with Thinking Clocks, I think just in honor of Joel Schumacher, watch Falling Down if you haven't seen that. I think it's a really interesting film that I think hasn't had enough um, attention. Mm. Um, yeah. No, definitely. I, I mean, I would recommend time code probably because most people probably never heard of it or seen it i'd also say watch inception so that you can then ha- have an opinion and i guess you can tell me to actually watch the back to back to the future films yeah you need to watch back <laughs> to the future in a row you need <laughs> to sit down and watch every single one and that's it watch all three <laughs> in one go you have to do that by next time yes daddy <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram at s of c podcast and on twitter at screen of c You can send us comments and feedback and even make episode suggestions and we are looking forward to hearing from you. Take care. Goodbye.